0: Yeah, I absolutely fell in love with it. It was, you know, incredible from going from that set, that job of sitting down and being at a laptop to suddenly being on a building site, the money you earn the day you're in college, into your overall wage anyway. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, for instance, I've been at Floor Train today. I'll still get paid for today, but I've done I have no valuable, value to hillside projects at all today. It's just a long-term investment. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not sitting here with the Rolex on my hand. So hands. No, I didn't win the 10000 <laughs>
1: this podcast is sponsored by jhs jhs has a solution to meet any project you may have from small residential all the way through to high-end commercial jhs has a hand-picked commercial lvt vinyl carpet tile and a variety of broad looms to meet every level of budget and specification visit jhscarpets.co.uk contact them directly and get your local area manager to pop in for a cup of tea now sit back Enjoy this show, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. First question, who's Mike Waldron?
0: Yeah, so um, I'm Mike Waldron. I'm an apprentice floor layer from Leicester. I work for a company called Hillside Contracts, so we specialise in uh, contract flooring and white rock, so we do lots of, sort of projects across the Midlands. Uh, schools, offices, research labs, F1 team headquarters, that sort of thing. Um, but I suppose the unique thing is I joined the industry when I was 28, right? Um, about 18 months ago. And I suppose the other unique thing I've now learned is that I don't have any family or friends connections to the flooring industry. So a lot of the people I've met and worked with have all got a connection yeah. into the industry, um, yeah. and that wasn't the case for me.
1: Right, I was going to say that, Mike. I thought you would either been on the Oil of Wight or um, <laughs> um, <laughs> or there was something going on. Um, but um, w- what what were you doing before? Why, why an apprenticeship at twenty eight? Um, and why the flooring industry?
0: Yeah, so I suppose what in terms of what I was doing before, um, you know, I left school at seventeen. I think back then there was a big push of trying to get people to university. So I joined my sixth form. It wasn't really for me. We came to, a, I suppose, a mutual agreement. Me and the uh, sixth mm-hmm. form, it was best if I didn't come back anymore. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think from there, you know, I did a bit of work on a building site with my uncle, who I've also looked up to. He's a, a bricklayer, and um, I was working a bit there, and I was doing a bit of work in the evening for uh, British Gas, just sort of doing data admin and entry. And I think if I had the opportunity, you know, I probably did have the opportunity then, to do the apprenticeship with my uncle. But I think I was so fed up with education that I just wanted to get into the world of work. And so yeah, I started working for this evening team at British Gas and that kind of morphed. And you know, I worked, I've always worked hard. I've always been really interested in trying to learn about as much about what I do as possible. So um, that kind of evolved into a career where I ended up working for first world energy companies and then payments companies. And so, I think finally I was based out of London working in newcastle and manchester as well and i was essentially sort of trying to investigate where businesses were not make as much money as they could have been right um and it's weird i suppose life kind of just you know goes so quickly you don't you get into something it's never your sort of long-term plan but you know day after day goes by month after month year after year and suddenly you realize it's maybe not exactly what you wanted to do um i think covid hit and for a lot of people they had maybe good lockdowns for me right. you know my Girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife. She's a teacher, so she was out um, teaching every single day, you know, vulnerable more children and that kind of thing. Having to go in, and I was essentially left every single day at home alone with a laptop, just doing the job. So, no more seeing people, no more communicating with teams, just there, me and a laptop. And I really struggled with that, you know, the isolation, almost the solitary confinement side of it. And I also really struggled with, and this is something that had always bugged me the whole time I worked in offices, was not seen any fulfilment or not seen any realisation for the work I did. Right, okay. So, you know, for a lot of people who don't work in an office, it's probably hard to uh, comprehend, but you, you work on a, a big project for months and months or you've got certain targets to hit or certain things you want to achieve and you do those things and at the yeah. end of the day you close the laptop down and nothing yeah. has really changed in the real world. There's no. no sort of tangible benefits. yeah, And that really always sort of... Um, you know, something I, I struggled with, to not see something tangible, to be just sat on the same desk every day and not be out doing something. So I knew I knew I had to make a change. And I think COVID gave me that opportunity to sort of reassess what I was doing and to to realise that I wasn't doing a job that I enjoyed. I wasn't doing a, a career that I enjoyed. If I had my time again, I thought I would have done an apprenticeship. I Mate. would have learned to trade. And I kind of thought I was not, you know, it's never it's never too late to do something like that. So what I realised was it was too... I didn't have four years, five years to train. You know, I couldn't sort of go off and do lots of different things. So I was looking for a career that I'd enjoyed doing, that would, um, you know, give me that sort of fulfilment, but also that I could train up to in a year or two years' time, you know, pass a qualification, not be fully 100, uh, percent, but get the qualification. So, you know, I looked around at a few different, two um, different traits things like plastering, you know, roofings out there, um, but I knew a floor layer called sean who lived in the same village as me um i'd once done a bit of work with him before um just one day i'd helped him out just as a mate helping out a mate so i spoke to him a little bit about it and i started then to look into um beginner courses so there's one up in burton which is at the uk flooring academy which is just a week-long carpet fitting course yeah i did that did a course at fitter and i did a course at floor skills so i did uh floating woods and laminates I did uh, subfloor prep which is the weirdest mixture of three (laughs) courses to do as a beginner but as a beginner I had no idea exactly you know what I should be trying to learn and I was still also working full time for this other company um, from home so it got to a point that I realised you know I needed to do something different I was was certain that I was going to quit the previous job the corporate world and I was going to learn a trade Um, and I got to a point that there was no sort of clear plan for what to do. I just had enough and I handed in that notice. Right. <clears throat> and as luck would have it, it was literally a day later that Sean, who I'd spoke to initially, texted me out of the blue and said, any chance you can work tomorrow? Um, <laughs> he said, I'm starting <laughs> at 7.30. Love it. I said, I need just need you for a day's work. I'll pay you. Yeah. Because everything I've done for him in the past, you know, when I've been, I've come out with him sometimes on a Saturday, but I was just sort of watching.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So, so you'd already done the courses at this point. i you,
0: had done courses. Yeah. I, hadn't, I had a penny from flooring, but it cost me money to try and learn. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he texted and said, can you work tomorrow? I'll pick you up at 7.30. I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And that one day ended up being uh, so he, he basically is a domestic fit. So he occasionally does contract stuff, yeah. um, just a man in a van, always for himself. But for the first time ever in all the years he's worked and he's never done it since. He decided he was going to subcontract to this building uh, site in town So yeah. for three months he was working and supplying labor and he had to also supply a junior fitter as well which he was um and the guy i was working with who I always works with he decided he didn't want to do the job so that one day had landed on the exact same week that i'd quit that previous job and it turned into being a two and a half month sort of job fitting carpet tiles right. so i went from you know being the guy sweeping up or just putting down tacky fire to doing the field, to learning how to do cuts and yeah, I absolutely fell in love with it. It was, you know, incredible from going from that set, that job of sitting down and being at a laptop to suddenly being on a building site to working with, you know, the other floor layers, but working with, you know, the painters, the chippies, the electricians, and seeing this building go from a complete, you know, rubble run-down building site into this office, this hotel, this bar that it basically became. This yeah. development in town and it was just absolutely brilliant I looked every single day of it Um I kind of thought well, that's it you know I found it this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna work here great don't even need to do any training I've got these few courses I'm gonna go off and <clears throat> we're just gonna go from job to job to job now and it sounded that wasn't the case you know Sean decided that although he'd had two months of this he was going back to running his own thing right and he said I'm going back and he said I'm going back to do domestic carpets I'm going back with the other lad so he said, that's going to be it. He said, but I do know a company uh, called Hillside. He said, I'll put in a word for, for you there. So I had an interview with this company called Hillside, the ones who I work for now, who have said have been 25 years established, 40 fitters who work all across the, the Midlands. I had an interview with them, um, and they offered me the chance to do an apprenticeship. So you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of the first time I thought about doing
1: it. So was it them that suggested it? Yeah. yeah so I, okay.
0: I thought I was going to sort of join as a trainee and sort of learn on the job. Yeah. Um, you know, they sort of suggested the apprenticeship. They already have, you know, they've got a lot of experience of apprentices. I think they've got four at the moment, but they've, you know, they're constantly putting more and more young people onto the apprenticeship program. Um, so they suggested it. And in my mind, I thought, well, it's an opportunity to get into the industry. But the key thing, you know, I'd been paying for those courses previously. Yeah, right, yeah. And I was making no money on the back of it. Oh. <laughs> so this is a course that was, I was going to learn everything well, not everything, but a lot, nearly a lot of the basics of flooring. Yeah. It was going to be completely paid for for me. Um, and I think the key thing with the apprenticeship as well and working for Hillside is you can learn as much as you want on a course, but you really learn from putting it into practice. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So the ability to sit there on the site, and I said, we've got so many fitters that we can be working on some projects where you're working maybe with seven of the fitters and might be six, but the fitters you're working with are always changing. And to work with people who have got so much experience, to be able to practice and you know, learn from there. That was the, the huge appeal. So yeah, that was sort of last January time, okay. 18 months now, uh, into this two year apprenticeship. I'm hoping to pass it in the next couple of months. Um but yeah, it's been yeah, a bit of a journey in the last okay. two years.
1: So I've seen somewhere, probably social media, but tell me about a screw fix award and a CFA award that I think I saw for apprenticeship. I think that sounds a bit special. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, so uh, the Screwfix one, first of all, so Screwfix run the Trade Apprentice of the Year campaign. So it's a competition opens to everyone in the UK and Ireland. Uh, anyone who's on an apprenticeship can apply, and you basically have to. I mean, the award at the end of it is ten thousand pounds worth of tools, training, wow. and prizes. So yeah, a huge, huge prize. Um, I think for the application for that, I had to put him, you know, a little bit about me and my, my backstory. So I spoke obviously about, you know, wanting to do. Uh, a career in the trades and you know deciding to make that career change later in life and I spoke as well about how much I've enjoyed it you know talking about how passionate I am about flooring and and so I had to write that through and I think there was 1800 applicants across the UK and Ireland right so I got Mm -hmm. through to the semi-finals I then had to do a 20-minute interview with their teams over Zoom Uh, I passed that as well so I eventually got called down to start of last month to London for two days so through to the final 10 out of the UK and Ireland, which was, you know, an amazing opportunity. So I think I was the only floor layer there. There was plumbers, electricians, uh, painters and decorators and a roofer as well. Um, and it was two days at Google headquarters. So yeah, it did. was, yeah, I mean, it was amazing two days, you know, learning a lot about uh, social media, what they do through, you know, and some of the products they've got through Nest um, and how they're trying to, I suppose, get more into the construction uh, industry is quite interested to learn about.
1: Um, was there anyone over the age of 25? There was not. So, <laughs>
0: so, But this is the thing, right? So <laughs> apprentices, like 40% of apprentices are over the age of 25. It's just not the same in the flooring industry. No. Um, As you
1: say, we've got an apprentice here um, in this office who's 24? 24, I think she is. We interviewed just out of college, just out of, you know, but the, the apprentice we've got here is 24, which you wouldn't approve. You wouldn't associate with that but she's on apprenticeship so it's.
0: yeah and i think the thing is as well you know when i started it so i trained at floor training in doncaster when i started there there was 18 of us i think there's about 10 of in our cohort um there's about 10 of us left about eight have dropped out the eight have dropped out nearly all of them were the younger ones and i think there's certainly a thing about the older someone is the more certain about what they want to do you know yeah, so absolutely 24 year old apprentice you've got or being I said 28 when i started my apprenticeship i knew exactly what i wanted to do i was focused for doing it and i think an older apprentice you know one of the guys who joined hillside before me joined when he was 40 into right. the flooring industry okay. but if you're you'll sell out what you're going okay. to do you know you've got more life experiences more maturity i think that's a big help anyway yeah you know if you're over 25 you can drive a van that's good for a flooring company but there's, there's certain things like that which i think are a lot more appealing than you know taking someone out which is obviously great but taking someone from 16 17 from school who's been in that school mindset if you take someone on who's you know in their 20s you know 30s 40s whatever if they've already got life experiences they come to you with a lot more rounded you need to do a lot less shaping than you do for a school leaver
1: yeah normally have a little bit more common sense and normally have a bit more respect for i don't know other things i don't know what i'm trying to think um Maybe if they're out on the session, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there might be a little bit more calm down. Is you know than an eighteen-year-old that what is living for the the Friday night, the mid twenties to thirty might be nearly past that point. So yeah, yeah. certainly I think so.
0: so. I think as well, you know, they they're a lot more mature as they get older as well. So you know, when you're at school, you're asking to go to the toilet, right? You yeah. Know, when the bell goes, you go. You have to wear that <laughs> uniform. You've got no freedoms whatsoever, and that's not true in work. So. Yeah. I think, yeah, as an older apprentice, you know, there's quite a few lads who are about 25, 24 on the course of me, but all of them seem to, you know, they're not the lads who are sat on the phones in the college, no. they're the lads who are there working hard, they're, you know, they're there to work, they're not there to, you know, I suppose, yeah. Uh, yeah. have an easy day of it. Um,
1: well, back in the day, what, did you used to get 120 quid a month or so I can't, it was something, like what was it YTS or something like I think that's what people maybe associate with a um, an apprenticeship. You know, you yeah. used to get, like, nothing. Um, but now I think there's there's certainly a benchmark, but you can pay people what you want to pay, even though it's slightly yeah. less than a fully-fledged. Um, but, again, there's there's that learning part rather than just employing a labourer as such. You can, you're can you getting an education as well.
0: Yeah, and I think this is the thing, right? So if you look at what you're paying an apprentice, you know, you, I think, I suppose, a lot of companies will review what they pay an apprentice throughout the apprenticeship as they learn more. But you've also got to factor in the fact, you know, the... They go to college, you know, a week a month or two weeks, yeah, you know, a week every two months maybe or whatever it is. Those days there, they're not hiding anyway. So as a apprentice, you've always got to factor in the money you earn on the day you're in college into your overall wage anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, for instance, I've been at floor train today. I'll still get paid for today, but I've done added no valuable value to Hillside's projects at all today. It's yeah. just a long term investment, right? So well, that's um, exactly
1: what we, we do with Jenny. Jenny does her online learning. Uh, but she learns about stuff that's outside of our reach. Um, so it, again, it's, it's an investment in, into her, uh, and then some of the stuff she learns from other people on that she brings into the business. So it's uh, with our businesses we've not used apprentices very much, but now we've started using them, but for for digital and uh, and office roles. So it's it's interesting to see the difference. So yeah. how in, on yours, um, how much are you out the business? So uh,
0: apprenticeships, you meant to have off the job training. So, off the job is meant to be 20% of the time, but that doesn't necessarily mean not on site. So, you could be off the job training because you're watching someone do something. So, so you've never seen someone, I don't know, uh, you know, fit an external joint onto a captain cove or something like that. If you're watching them, that counts as off the job training. So, there's a lot of stuff there that counts. In terms of how much I'm at college, it tends to be between once or twice a month. Right, okay. um, but, you know, this is the kind of thing, more and more. Flooring apprentices will come through you know the need for the CSCS cars is the level two has been brought in the apprenticeship sort of flooring qualification more and more people will go down that route but it's the amount of training centers we have as well so I'm from Leicester I drive to Doncaster to train so if you think about if I was or any sort of young person right if they it's not I'm not unique in that there's people from on that course in Doncaster who are from Newcastle from Lincoln uh, grimsby people are coming down having to stay in hotels for a night or are doing you know three four hour commutes to get there and back yeah um if they chose to be a plasterer they go to the local college it would be 10 minutes away yeah. if they chose to be a roof you know a, a builder if they chose to be a painter all those courses are so easily accessible mm-hmm. and you know in flooring you know it is getting better really you know it certainly is getting better so floor trainer in Doncaster in London. I know Fitter have got Scotland, Kirkcaldy, and Loughborough. Um, I couldn't get onto Fitter because there wasn't a cohort when I was starting my apprenticeship. I think floor skills are doing one as well. But compared to, I said, trades like plastering, it's it's so hard to get, you know, and if you're a business, right, it's not my business, only you are, but if you're employing someone who's an apprentice and you have to send them and pay for their train travel if they don't drive or pay for their... um, mileage or pay for a hotel every time they go to college that's such a massive added cost and when we were talking earlier about Mm. how much an apprentice gets paid that's got to get factored into how much you pay an apprentice as well because as a flooring company how much can you afford to pay an apprentice if you've also got to pay them to drive you know three hours to go to a training course yeah Yeah. um so it's all those sort of things add up as well
1: and you've got that risk that the apprentice might learn all this stuff stay with you and then and vanish that's always in business owners. Not vanish, you know, in thin air, but as in set up on their own or go and work for someone else, you're putting that investment of time into people and that's sometimes the trouble with um you know, some people lack of trust over their employees sometimes. Yeah, uh,
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think that's one of the, the hard things about being an apprentice anyway. well I suppose for a company employing apprentices is you do get people who just, you know, want to do their apprenticeship and move on. I think, you know, if I was working for the person I was working before, he's a one man band, you know, my my plan then would have had to have been, I've got to move on because He's not going to give me the business, you know. It's his business. What What do you do in those situations where you're working just for one person? Yeah. Um, and they're feeling luckily,
1: more like I think the one man band would feel the dedication more than a bigger firm, maybe. You know, because they yeah. will have multiple apprentices, and if they keep three, that might be a good ratio. If you If you're one man in a van with an apprentice that then leaves, I think it would wound you a bit. A bit yeah, more, and
0: maybe you know, with those, you look maybe three, four years. I don't know. You, you can't I suppose expect to have someone forever because what happens when you retire? What do they do? But I think you know the good thing of working with someone like Hillside is you know it's it's a really big company. There's lots of different roles within the company as well. It's not just you know you'd always be the second in command there. There's lots of different like supervisors. There's different sort of positions within the company with the fitters as well.
1: Yeah. Um, so so t- yeah. tell me about this CFA um apprentice so we've gone through this screw fix so well, yes did, so the screw did, fix one we didn't... did did you win <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not sitting here with a rolex in my hand so no i didn't win the ten thousand. Uh-huh. so the last day there was um we had to do interviews and pitches so i had to design a new uh construction tool mm-hmm. so i designed a tool for screwing plywood down that would make it nine times quicker
1: um i was going to say was that a screwdriver
0: <laughs> I was gonna to that's being created impact driver um, um, no. so yeah it was like a new rig for that and then we yeah. had to have an interview with the federation of master builders the national institute of electrical engineers and wow. the plumbing and heating people and a guy won um screw trade person of the year and their sort of head of marketing so i had that yeah, yeah i lost it out to a plumber named katie um but yeah she was really good you know yeah. she was um just repressed and she was a lovely person as well so but yeah, I mean, it was amazing to be a finalist. And then.
1: Was the first, second, third, fourth, or did like, or was it just top 10 and then w- winner? It on? was top 10 and then winner.
0: They had a uh, another award as well, uh, commendable, highly commendable, which they gave to a girl called Madison who was from, she's around here actually, up oh. Newcastle way. And she had been running her business. By apprentice people, who were apprentice employees are basically moved to Australia. Right. And she'd end up running the business. So she got an acknowledgement as well. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was great to meet all those sort of people from the UK and Ireland. Um, but yeah, they, I mean the... They even give you a discount card or anything for Screwfixing. I mean, to a or... Do you get some merch or anything? Yeah, <laughs> so there's a lot, lot, lot of tool bags. I got... Um, is it Herbal? They're like Screwfix's own tool company. So yeah. they came in. They gave us a load of hand tools they've just launched, which are quite nice. Right. Um, and then they had a load of power tools. And I was thinking, this is going to be, you know... <laughs> had a mine the SDS drill. And at the end of it, they gave us all a battery. No, <laughs> so, so so the con at this yeah, Disc, yeah. discount off the way so but um, but no it was great a great couple of days but then the the other one i suppose the one you mentioned a minute ago is the cfa so the contract floor and association apprentice of the year yeah um and that one i think meant a lot more to me because that one was you know applying for a floor and apprenticeship award and it's open to everyone not just people who are whose companies are members of the cfa um but it's a a flooring apprenticeship award it's judged by people in the cfa so by i think using we're on the awards panel uh, judging panel people from other um sort of our competitors are on it as well um, and it's sponsored as well by so many of the big names in flooring so a lot of the big manufacturers a lot of the big sort of tool makers everyone sort of donated and given tools and prizes to it so it's around five thousand pounds worth of tools, and then I think there's about a thousand pounds worth of cash and about a thousand pounds worth of vouchers. Okay. Um, but to apply for that one, I had to submit, so answer different questions on flooring. So there were certain things about, you know, why do you enjoy flooring? What made you become an apprentice? And you know, a lot of the reasons I spoke to you about about you mm-hmm. know, that passion of, of seeing buildings come to life, right? Of walking into a building site when it's just a building site, and by the time you leave, it's a, a school ready to open, or it's an office ready to, um. You know to research and development or um you know whatever that project is i think i get so much out of that and i was able to sort of put that across my application i also had to submit photos and videos so okay. luckily i knew this award was a thing about a year ago so i spent the last year meticulously sort of photo and video in so much of my work which was nice to look back through because when i looked through what i was doing a year ago it was yeah. awful so, <laughs> to be able yeah. to see the progression of work um and see that sort of see how in improved was, was quite nice. And then I had to do a case study as well. So I put together a case study for a, a big project we worked on for like three, four months in Cambridge. Yeah. So it was a uh, food distribution center, but also they were, doing, they were doing research labs there for sort of food production. Um, so it was carpet tiles, cap and cove, flat fit vinyl. Um, and yeah, I'd be able to sort of talk about everything we did there in terms of floor prep and applying DPMs. So, yeah, I put a lot of time and effort into it. And then I heard back a couple of weeks ago to say that I'd won that award. So, I'm um, yeah, yeah. So, you've got the prizes? Well, not it? when the prizes are coming yeah. next Thursday. So, so um, what,
1: what's coming again? What are you
0: getting? <laughs> I just love the math. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up forgetting someone, aren't I? But, so, like, Ardex and Balls have gave stuff. I'm getting a, a welder. So, I'm really excited about getting a welder. Because at the moment, I have to use everyone else's. Fat. And everyone uses it at different temperatures. Um Moisture meters, site radios, uh, Wolf have mm-hmm. gave a few rail cutters. Yeah, um, yeah there's so much. So, so the,
1: the screw fix one was the warm up, um, the warm and up. Yeah. and and then you've just cleaned the CFA um, out. Yeah, and, yeah. I know, so I, I mean, that. the, the
0: Screwfix one as well. It was it would have been nice to win, but the CFA is an yeah. award you know for floor, floor layers by floor layers, so to yep. be recognised on that one and to be able to you know be based on your actual work as a floor layer and the things you have done, as opposed to you know your overall view as an apprentice compared to you know all the different trades really meant a lot so yeah i mean it's amazing to win the award i'm really looking forward to get my hands on the prizes um
1: and and do you, do you get that officially presented like at the awards is i'm not maybe be the wrong thing isn't there a is it the cfa awards in september or is that a different awards arm? so
0: there's the awards next week which are just to give me the prizes yeah i think there'll be a lot of the different manufacturers there then to take photos with and do some press shots um but yeah there's also the one in september which is the cfj awards I cfj
1: think, that's it yeah
0: which is in the polo club in birmingham yes so there's so, that as well and i think i'm hopefully going to that picking yeah, up an award i think we are going as well but luckily i want to take all the prizes back from that night so yeah, um, yeah. So you don't need to take them down there and go look. look. No, I went not drunk getting a welder out <laughs> no. and trying to test it out. <laughs> no.
1: oh, I love it. Right, so um, on a di- so I'm assuming big commercial uh, outfit flooring. Are they? Is the jobs you're doing right at the minute? Cap and cove, like more commercial stuff, or do you do residential work as well? Or what's what's the day to day look like at the moment?
0: Yeah, so it's purely commercial. So right. we're a large company. We just get to take on sort of big projects. So. A lot of it's things like last year we were working on uh, new build hospitals, at the moment I'm working on new build school, um, so in the last few months of, or well, the start of this year working at Silverstone, so for um, Formula One team, doing their new headquarters, so sort of huge projects that span anything from a couple of weeks to a couple of months, and then you know in between that as well there's also, I suppose those um, pepperings are like those smaller jobs that just take a day or two days and I suppose like any floor lane company in the summer holidays, there's a big demand from the education sector as well. So sort of jumping on those, but yeah, no residential, purely sort of um, commercial.
1: And I don't, I don't want to throw you under the bus here, um, but um, in the future, do you think you're going to more go into residential stuff, or do you like? Because I'm more from a residential background, done some commercial stuff. Not, it was okay, it was fine. We did, let's say twenty percent commercial um what's your feeling of you moving into residential stuff
0: yeah I mean I think for me I I enjoy working on the size projects we have and I enjoy being on these sort of big building sites where they're huge projects and they're going to run you know not a couple of days they're running a couple of months and you know you're seeing a huge change from um you know a building site that's just finished second fix going right through to you know, furniture in and the clients are getting ready and the car park's all being up and they're literally about to open up. So I think I've always really enjoyed that. I think I'd like to stay with that. I have done a few uh, domestic jobs for myself, so carpet stuff and uh, for a few builders doing things like wet rooms. Um, and yeah, I think... it you
1: know, on the residential stuff, you get a bacon sandwich, and you don't have to wear your PPE as much, and you know, and then the, the coffee gets brought to you on a on a little plate with a little digestives on the on the right customers.
0: Is that so? There is that, but then <laughs> on a commercial site, you don't have someone watching over you the whole time. No, oh. a site manager says, "There you go, crack on. I'll see you, you know, at the end of the day." Yeah. So you don't get that side of it as well. I mean, I do. I think the domestic side of it, you know, I've, done, I've done bits of it, and it's quite nice. But there's also the so, especially with carpets, it's moving furniture and doing that sort of thing. So I do, I think, you know, at the moment, my long-term plan is to, you know, I enjoy working at Hillside, is to keep sort of doing that, is to... Yeah. Um, I wasn't
1: trying to throw, yeah, as I said, uh, Hillside, I'd be like, <laughs> is he going? Um, and that's not what we're saying. I'm just trying to tempt you with the, the, the Bob on biscuits, you know, it's... Uh, well, like- you, so
0: you said on the podcast a few months ago, you were like, when you had a retail shop, and you said about mm-hmm. working Saturdays, and that's always stuck in my head, because I thought, I don't have to work Saturdays at the moment. If I oh. do, it's, you know... Yeah. It's normally because the, whoever the site agent has asked for us to come in and willing to pay extra. But if you're working yeah. in a retail shop, that must be every Saturday yeah. out of your calendar, bar Christmas, New Year, that you've got to be open, right?
1: Well, that's, since COVID, a lot of shops have changed to hybrid working hours and things like that. But back when I, when I had a shop, it was expected that you would be open Saturdays. And I'll never forget that feeling when we closed the shop of like, me like we would share some. Sarah would do it sometimes. I would do it in the shop, um, or both of us would do it. But it was a known that one of us would have the kids and one of us would open the shop. That was life. That was how life was. Um, and as soon as we closed the shop, we sat there on a Saturday at like seven o'clock in bed, saying, "What what what day is this?" Like genuinely, felt like we're like you know that like holiday feeling when you wake up yeah. and you've got nothing to do. And we, it, it went on for about two months. Two months of like, what, so we can go shopping on like a Saturday or we can just sit and do nothing. Yeah. And I still get it now. Like, um, you know, that nothingness of a Saturday. And sometimes I might take a couple of hours off during the week to compensate for it. Sometimes I didn't. I just worked for six days. But, but yeah, there's a lot of shop owners. And especially with the retail market at the moment, I feel that's having a challenging time, or certainly some some retailers having a challenging time, Thirty forty percent down, they're now analysing the cost of keeping the door open, but working hybrid. And uh, quite a lot of our clients at Cockfell & Co have gone to hybrid working hours, which then, unfortunately, in the retail sector, Saturday probably wouldn't come into that hybrid. It would be like you close Tuesday-Wednesday, um, appointments on a Thursday, but then open Friday-Saturday, because Friday-Saturday is good, good for retail, or it certainly was when I was doing it. Um, so does that it's the
0: hybrid thing, though? Does that mean that you only open... So- you're getting customers in the door appointment only? Both. Or... So
1: you either do appointment only, compl- yeah. like shut the shop and literally you book appointments. But then that gives the business owner the time to go and do the estimates at their convenience. Because yeah. obviously if you're open nine to five, if you haven't got someone in the shop, you've got to squeeze them in at another point. So otherwise you have to employ someone that, that's costing you or you do it after the shop shut. Um, or you have to open the shop. Um, like you have to be there at nine o'clock. You might not have a customer there. But yeah, so appointment only or um set days of opening so right. like you know so you open monday tuesday wednesday closed that means you can still go in but it means on that tuesday wednesday you can do your estimates you can do your quoting you do your accounts you can do your marketing whatever like that um and then you're back open so i've got clients that have chosen different ones that work better for them but then also it's the impact on your family um your, your your social life your your personal well-being um you know even things like i don't know going to the gym or Going to see you know going out for lunch with your mum. If you open if you have a shop, you don't shut the shop normally. To maybe some people might do, but you know to go for lunch with your mum, you say oh we'll go Sunday because yeah. the shop's open. You know it's just like well yeah, the shop's yeah, open yeah. so it's open. But if you've got hybrid working hours, you go we'll go Tuesday.
0: You know because you don't yeah, have, you have got to be... work life balance as well, right? You've got a bit more yeah. freedom exactly. in to to do what you want. I suppose. but yeah. I think yeah the, the Saturday thing you said before, I kind of thought uh, I don't think I'd ever be able to. I That's think. Not... Um, you know that sort of work-life balance is, is important, but yeah, every Saturday is a huge yeah. commitment,
1: right? Well, that that's, even the lads on the ground, um, we've got, uh, you know, on their own or a couple of lads. If you work in Monday to Friday on the tools and Mrs. Jones's conservatory or whatever, fitting your LVT or carpet, you've got the choice yeah. of doing your estimates after you leave, or you've got the estimate trying to do it through the day, which sometimes people don't like to do for the day, or they do it on a Saturday and Sunday again. So they don't have to be set yeah. on a Saturday, but again, that's eating into your time. Some of the again, uh, some of our clients have chosen to um, work four days a week and then on a Friday they do all their estimates and bookkeeping. But people, let's say the smaller guys um, out in the vans, are like, Well, no, I have to work five days to get my money in. You know, I need five days worth of money to get the, you know, but it's actually sometimes more productive, in my opinion, to work less hours. Get your stuff booked in and have the bloody weekend off. There's nothing. Problem. with it. I mean, I sometimes work you know a couple of hours on Saturday, but the difference is having a choice, and it's your choice, not um, no one else's. I think that's the key thing. Where people say, "Well, I just couldn't do it," well, that's your decision, not anyone else's. You don't have to go and do a measure. Um, and things we implemented were, um, you know, no estimates after four o'clock. You know, so if you want to, if you want to get an estimate from us, it's these set days between nine and four. Like, you know, we, we won't go like on a commercial. You would expect that you'd go and site survey it at like between eight and four while the site's open. You're not going to ask the site manager, oh, can we come and look at this chemistry block at like half eight on a Tuesday? It's like on a night. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I suppose it's the thing, right?
0: So, as you know, it's not just as everyone's gone to this hybrid working thing, people work from home more, right? That people mm-hmm. can be in for those times. It's not like you need to do out of hours measuring anymore because yeah. most people can be home between those times, right? With um, working from home and like some people now who work from home full time or do that hybrid working that you're saying. Um, I've noticed
1: that I had a mindset, I don't even know how many years, I would say 15 years plus, that I had to do my estimates on a night when people got in from work, to work nine to five. Yeah. I was like, well, you just do the estimates between like four or five, like maybe five and eight because that's what time people are in. And then we changed it to like, right, we're not doing it after six, things like that. And then we changed it again. And... I don't think that we have actually had any rejection of someone saying, yeah, they might say, oh, no, I can't do that. But if you give someone the option, like we've got 1 o'clock on Tuesday and we've got 3 o'clock on Friday, which one works best for you? Normally the client will say, oh, I'll have 1 o'clock, and they make their own arrangements. But I was on this mindset that I'd lose the business before I walk in the door. Because I wasn't a kid, like being compatible with their diary. What about you being compatible with my diary? I've got kids. I've got a wife. Yeah. and is that what made you
0: make that change? Then? So, what made you suddenly decide that you know you've been doing it one way for so many years? It was time to work
1: life like balance. Work life balance, hundred yeah. percent. Because I think um, I think the main ch- turning point. I've got I've got two kids. One's twelve. one's six, um, and the twelve year old for the first five years um, was brought up with dad being at work. And then the minute Theo came along, who's now six, nearly seven, um, he was born. And I'm like, there's no way I can bring this young human into the world and give the example I gave to William. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say I was bad as, as as effect, but I was working six days a week. I was getting in most nights, eight o'clock, so he was either in bed or going to bed. And then I was absolutely knackered on a Sunday, Um and for me, that wasn't a good work-life harmony. Yeah. Um, and so in answer to your question, it was Theo being born that just was like, this has to change. And, he, and I, I did some personal development training and other sort of training around mindset and uh, performing better. And then I realised working 60, 70 hours a week and burning out every sort of three months isn't actually probably going to get us where we want to go, <laughs> yeah. even though I was like, "Well, if I just work harder, I'll get more." Which, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we did all right. But when I actually clicked that, if you put your personal um, mindset um, and emotional state first, um, and also your family first, you can actually get more work out than if you grind to the bone. Which sounds back to front to some people, but I now completely believe it. Um, And it's what you do with your time, you know. It's, um,
0: yeah, that's um, thing, isn't it? It's, you know, quantity doesn't necessarily mean quality, right? You can put in loads and loads of hours, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get that same quality out. If you do, you know, you plan things and you do the right things in the right order, and you're more methodical about the way you do things, you can get better results anyway. So that's
1: it. Like, you know, um, when will it have been? Yeah, 12 12 years ago, I was getting in at night, like maybe eight o'clock, having three or four cans of Foster's. Putting the you know and being shattered, exhausted, not wanting to speak to anyone, but then rolling back out of bed at like ten to seven. I was out the door at quarter past seven. I just got out of bed, at like, like that, and like I said, like, well, I'm still getting up at seven, and but I wasn't awake till about eleven, and then I was tired at two, three o'clock, um, and and it just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and then have a blowout on a weekend. It's like well, that's that's just life, and he's well, like, that's no, that's a choice, but then. As some people take the mick, but like now I get up at five to five. I get more work done between five to five and half ten on a morning than I would get done in two days of the other lifestyle. Yeah. So it's just, and that might be worked on the gym. That might be work um, with Sarah. That might be work with, you know, the kids. I get time to take the kids to school and all that, the little things I didn't get a chance to do. Um, and I've done it before half ten, you know, and it's like, and then, I've got tactics and structure in place to get more out of me after twelve, after two, um, and then I've actually got time when I get in. From, you know, I get in from work ten past five most nights. So, and then I've got structure what yeah. I can actually do with that ten past five. So, so is it. that
0: structure different as well then, since oh, yeah. like, from before when you're saying you were working those hours, did you have that structure before, or is that structure, no? There was no the structure. You can do those hours now and have more time at
1: home. Million percent what? that structure because before it was a lifestyle. It was just this is what you do. This is you know on the way home from the from sight, pick four cans up whatever um that relaxes you gives you endorphins you maybe order a pepperoni pizza um or whatever and then and then you feel better more relaxed and that that gives you your, your fix as such but you can get a fix from taking your six-year-old out for a bike ride the same as you get a fix from a, a Dominos pizza well we'll crack yeah, on a Dominos well, in maybe. a bit but but yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, maybe not maybe not as much but <laughs> but um God, it dip's pretty good yeah but, again, it raises endorphins and all that. Type of thing. I don't know the exact ins and outs, but the more and more work I've done, it, the more better results. So, But, yeah, I don't know how we've ended up there, but that's the lifestyle choices, and that's why I rant and rant and rant on socials about it, because I truly believe um, it's your responsibility to, to take control of that, and it sometimes needs someone to either have a blowout, um, a breakdown, or something significant to happen, for you to then realize that but that's what you know as men and women that's what tends to happen something has to happen first then you take action yeah definitely um, I And mean,
0: that's how what i found right so going back to where i all kind of started from it was that kind of thing has to happen right it was lockdown it was covid and suddenly made me realize exactly how unhappy i was and making mm-hmm. a change about it and working out what you do want to do and you know making working out what you want long term and you know where you the things you really want what are important to you in life and it's the sure. things you want to do and you know that, i think making those changes is really important.
1: So do you think if COVID hadn't happened, do you think you definitely wouldn't have gone into flying?
0: So <laughs> I know I'd been thinking about, there'd been a few different times I thought, I really hate this, you know, and I'd sit there, I'd spend the day looking at different um, things I could do, different sort of career changes, what you know, what might I do, but there was nothing really that ever really struck me. Yeah, um, yeah I suppose it was always kind of the thought the back of my mind. Maybe it would have ended up being you know, a midlife crisis in my forties, and I would have just you know, done that. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of COVID was kind of the focal point for it because I was kind of left there with just literally every single day there was nothing else to do other than my job, and it gave me a lot of time to focus on actually. You know, before that, I suppose the job was masked a lot by you know working with the people. I worked with some really good people, really fun people, and working with them or traveling or you know there was so much other sort of stuff happening that you kind of. Kind of got lost in the blur of it, so I think it really sort of refocused my mind. But I think it's probably something I would have done eventually, anyway. You know, that sort of working in the corporate world was never going to make me happy long term, even before COVID, it wasn't making me happy. So I'm glad COVID happened because obviously it's made me a lot happier now doing what I want to do. But how that change Mm -hmm. would have came out without COVID, yeah, I I don't know. But yeah, certainly an interesting question.
1: So this can be either in your corporate career or this can be since you 've been in the flying world. What is the best and the worst bit of advice you've received so far so <laughs> you, you knew this question was coming because <laughs> it's, it's one of the it's one of the uh, popular ones
0: so the worst bit of advice I was given was I was doing a carpet for um a family member and we haven't got a long. Well, I don't. I don't drive a long wheelbase van. It's a standard van, four meter bit of carpet, mm. and a bit of cormer. I said to someone, I said, "Oh, how am I going to get it? How am I going to get it there? You know, I can't get a hold of a long wheelbase van." And they said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Just fold it in half, just snap it in half, and, and put it in the back of the van." I've been, yeah. you know, flooring for a couple of months. I was like, "All right, great, I'll do that then." So mm. that's what I did. Took it out, and just the massive lump in the middle of it. I must have spent, you know, <laughs> nearly half a day trying to kick it out because mm. it was completely sort of ripped up into it and yeah, it was completely nearly deep, well, just looking, yeah. turning around and seeing a room that I'd fitted, I couldn't see how I could stretch it anymore. And in the middle still is this bubble. So yeah. worst bit of advice was just fold the carpet up and put it in the back of the van. <laughs> um I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think every time I've done it since then, I've made okay. sure I've transported it properly. I, um I've got i s I've got a great
1: story like that uh, which we've just got rid really fresh on my mind. We bought a mattress um eight years ago. And we lived in a flat at this point. We were in between houses. And it and I bent it to go into a lift. And I got it upstairs and it said right on the packaging, do not bend this mattress while, <laughs> while transporting. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, it's a friend of mine because we took it to the tip uh, just gone the weekend. Um, and Sarah was like, it's still bent. It's still bent <laughs> since you put it in that lift. So, yeah, love that. So, what, what so far um, is the best bit of advice? Um, let's keep it flooring-related.
0: So, flooring-related, um, best bit of advice I suppose I've been given was get it right first and then your speed will come so I think when you're working with a lot of different floor layers who are 10, 20 years time served they'll end up you know, being a lot quicker they can do things in, a, you know, far quicker than you ever can whether that's COVID or setting out screeding, whatever the task is they can do it quicker and one of the lads said to me very early on don't try and keep up with the pace because if you mm-hmm. get it at the same pace, but it looks a mess, or you get it wrong, <laughs> yeah. no one is going to thank you. No, you know, Get it right, learn how to do it yeah. perfectly, and then your speed will come with it. If you're doing the right steps, you're doing the right processes, eventually they will become quicker yeah. rather than trying to race around. And I think that was really important because you realise what's probably more important, especially as an apprentice, is doing the job right, yeah. not doing the job quickly.
1: It's funny you say that, because I discussed with Stewie last uh, last week, uh, Stew Bennett, about metre squared rate. We love this one. Um, and uh <laughs> this rate. Is what Facebook talks about, right? Yeah, this is... Uh, how much how much for a metre on this? Uh, like, what, no, what's the going metre rate for this? For <laughs> sake. But, yeah, it, it's common if you're going to set out, and as you said, if you're going to do it right, set the floor out, no matter what you fit in, uh, and you're on a metre rate, you're going to be in theory quicker setting it out because you've got to get the meters down to get your money but again if you get it right first it takes a little bit longer but you're on day rate um are the lads on your site i mean maybe it doesn't affect you but i don't know what have you found with that you know do you ever get criticized for going that little bit slower if the company you work for is on a meter rate or the lads are on a meter rate like how does that work for you
0: yeah, so as an apprentice, you know, I'm never really ever on a right? There is people who, who do get it, you know, I suppose like any uh, flooring company, we have subcontractors as well. So I'm not that close to what happens with them. Yeah. In terms of me, and that's probably all I can speak for, so no one's ever really, as long as you're getting it right, no one's bothered. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going really slow. Yeah. And my speed is getting quicker and quicker, and the certain aspects, you know, carpet tiling and, um, I suppose, flat fit, where... You know my speed's getting closer and closer to what someone who's been there longer can do cap and cove still needs work but you know sometimes if you look at the size of projects we're working on i might be working on a drop of vinyl that might be you know 10 meters long going into a corner you know yeah. it's more important to take 20 minutes rather than 10 minutes and get that corner perfectly yeah. and then go quickly and mess it up and suddenly there's you know eight nine hundred pounds worth of vinyl behind you that you've yeah. just messed up so exactly. i think as long as people can see you're doing things in the right way and you know this is the other thing as well you work with people so closely like there's, there's so many of our fitters that over that time they can see you're getting quicker anyway I think as long as you can see people are you know if you if you, someone was doing something completely back to front you know if someone was doing a process like installing co-former and capping and they were doing every step in the wrong order you yeah. know and they were slow and getting it in the wrong order I think there's someone would say something then because yeah. There's people out there. Well, yeah. The (laughs) problem is, you know, you're never going to get to the level. You know, you're never going to get to a good enough level if you're doing that. But if you're doing everything right, just not as quick, then you know that speed's going to come because, like, everything right is practice. It's the more you do something, and that's you know, I said the the thing about joining Cumberland Hillside was the fact of getting out on site every single day with people who are experienced because, you know, I find people are really most people if you're willing to work hard and listen. Are willing to share their knowledge and experience with you yeah, and definitely. will happily show you the best way of doing something or the quickest way. And the few people who aren't so keen to share that knowledge, I've found that if I say, Well, so and so show me how to do it this way, then they're really keen to show you how that person's wrong and how they're right. So, <laughs> regardless, they'll still show you, um, yes. you know, sort of qu- the best ways of working, quicker ways of working. So, I think, yeah, that progress is always there.
1: I think that's one of one of my things of what's the best bit of advice is, is always ask for help. Um, no matter what level of your journey you're at, always ask for help. Um, But yeah, so next question. What is your favourite flooring to work with and what have you got fitted at home?
0: So <laughs> <laughs> favourite flooring to work with is... um, It probably is Cap and Cove. So we do that a lot. I know a lot of people don't like it but for me it's kind of been the the hardest bit of flooring has been trying to learn how to cap and code properly so getting those internal corners in right and you know learning to weld and not burn it and not ruin it has <laughs> been something i spent a lot of time trying to do a lot of time at college you know just sitting yeah. spending a whole day which is a welder and just welding and welding and welding um so i really really enjoy that i guess the you know getting the welders out and playing with vinyl that way is something that really uh it's probably I, I find most from Compared to carpet tiles, or even some of the domestic stuff we do, or some of the L- uh, I do, or some of the LBT stuff. Um, and in terms of what we've got fitted at home, so we live in like a Victorian terraced house, so yep. it's original quarry tile um, hallway. The carpets are old; they need replacing. See, so the, I've done them yet. Uh. Uh, I miss mean, the thing, right? When you're apprentice, <laughs> <laughs> so, like so, it's, it's learning how to do it, but then it's also having the money to be able to do it. So yep. I'm hoping, give it a couple of years time. You know, I'll come back on the podcast yeah. and talk to you all about the lovely floor we've got. <laughs> but as it currently stands, you know, carpets yeah. are getting old. I think we might have carpet moths in one bit, so that's going to be a problem. Um, you're just
1: waiting for that site that someone's measured it 4.3 meters too long, yeah. and you're like, I know where that could go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I'll post all my measurements on uh, online if anyone's yeah. got anything. Uh, and then yeah, like the, the dining room's exposed floorboards; uh, they need to be sanded. Might learn how to yeah. do that at some point. Um so yeah, I mean it's nothing like the flooring I'd want to have, but no. it's it's certainly what we've got at the moment.
1: Brilliant. And and the old chestnut, um so far, what's the biggest fuck up you've done?
0: So so <laughs> going back to the to being slow thing, I think I've well not being slow, but being slower, I think I've tried to take my time a lot more. Yeah. Because that's how I'm, I'm often aware of how much the materials are working with are worth. Yeah. Um so I haven't managed to fuck up that much. I remember uh-huh. once we were doing a new build hospital in Milton Keynes, um, capping coving, and I was trimming the vinyl in all along the wall. Perfect. Stood back. Looked great. Tucked it all in. Very nice. I'm really happy with the finish. It was only a small room, maybe one meter by one meter. So sort of been let go on my, my own sort of room, um, and I was dead sure with it. So I went to go and get one of the the guys to sort of say, no, "I'm done. I've got proud of myself." And he came in, he looked at it, he looked twice and he put his foot on it and he pushed it down and I hadn't basically pushed it into the coving. So because of that, then it dropped down by, say, three, four centimetres and exposed the whole thing. And oh, nice. Luckily, they were having like these fills going in the whole way along. So all it was to replace was maybe a 20 centimetre piece by metre. Oh, right. But if I'd made that mistake on any of job we've done before or since, that would have been massive. So it was kind of fortunate that it was a smaller job like that. But yeah, I've always been trying to be quite careful of what we're doing and measuring twice to make sure that you know, yeah. um, yeah. i are not miscutting. And like you said, right, always asking for help. So yeah. the thing about being an apprentice yeah. is, you know, it's your job to learn. And you know, no one, I don't think even when you're, you're qualified, no one minds you asking twice, right. right? I think if you're working with someone with a load of experience, you probably might be annoyed if they keep asking you what to do, right? But as an apprentice, no one minds giving you that help. Yeah. No one minds you double checking because everyone would rather... Spend you know an extra minute going through it and doing it right, than spending an extra hour, two hours replacing it if it was wrong.
1: And as uh, as Paddy, uh, a friend of the show um, from Emmen Training, uh, always says, uh, everyone was shit once. Yeah. So it's a uh, big big fan of that. Um, so uh, I've got a few other questions um, for you. What is the least favourite part of your current role?
0: Uh, so I was talking to the least favourite part. Current role is, you know, it's probably still being the apprentice. I mean, for a while it was the blue hat on the building <laughs> sites, so being the new, the new guy. Um, but I, you know, I've enjoyed being able to sort of go through that and, and learn more. I suppose, the, I suppose the thing for me, probably the least favourite bit is. Yeah, we'll have to do no, that's all right. Mugs yeah. of you, sir. <laughs> yeah. i just lost my trail of thought. <laughs> um, so what's the question? What's the so least? Who we'll,
1: we'll go? On. So what is your least favourite part of your current role?
0: What's the least favourite part for me is, you know, being the apprentice. is you know, Often is the, you get the, the labouring jobs to do as well. So, you know, I remember a couple of times last year, I was spending a day carrying a pallet of screed, you know, one bag at a time around or something. And, you know, it's, I understand it. It's what happens if you're the apprentice. You do do, you know, a lot of that sort of labouring stuff as well. as getting the opportunity to learn. But yeah I mean, I'm looking forward to, to passing the apprenticeship and sort of you know not having you know being able to sort of focus a lot more on my own jobs and, and not have to do sort of more of the sweeping up side of things
1: yeah brilliant and we're gonna do a few of the quick fire rounds as we're nearly at the end of the podcast, so we'll go back to the old Dominoes. um so dominoes five guys Burger King or something else what would it be and why
0: uh I mean, it's got to be five guys for a treat. So I know it's expensive, right? But on apprentice wage, five guys. (laughs) This is is the wrong thing, right? If you're an electrician, if you're an (laughs) electrician apprentice, well, every night. But uh, floor fitters. So yeah, I mean, five guys. I think I read something once, and it was they're not trying to get Burger Kings and McDonald's customers, right? They don't want you every day. They Mm -hmm. want you to come once every six months, and it be, you know, really good quality. And I think there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm there with you know flooring as well so you, know, you can a get a companies you're wanting someone who just wants that once in a while and like the experience right. there the food the ingredients yeah five guys i do like dominoes right. i do like the dipping sauce but it just it feels so bad the next day oh
1: yeah yeah there's de- there's we've discussed it so many times there's definitely something in it anyway um favorite are you a car guy have you got a favorite car if you had an unlimited budget what would you buy
0: See, I'm not really a car guy. I mean, I'd love to have a pickup truck. I've always wanted a pickup truck, which is by like, pretty basic, right? But I love one of those sort of big uh, four by fours there. Um, Ford Rangers, that, uh, yeah, one of those. Uh, uh, Raptor. Yeah. Yeah. Of them, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've not really got, I'm not really massively into cars. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a running thing on site. Whenever there's an issue with the van, I've not got a clue about it. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> they're changing tires, yeah. and I'm not getting involved with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah.
1: And if you won five million quid tonight on the lottery, give me three things you would buy. Uh,
0: Well, new flooring throughout the house. We've been through that one. (laughs) Um, Pick up truck. (laughs) (laughs) This was too easy. Um, No, so, uh, you know, I'd certainly get a bigger house. You know, for me and um, Kate, so we got married the other month. It'd be nice to actually move house and have some space because, you know, not the biggest of uh, houses. Um, And some world-class flooring. Some world-class flooring, yeah. (laughs) find someone who could do it um, <laughs> yeah i mean certainly some nice holidays you know some yachts something like that i'd be pretty fun to do um i'd love to it'd be nice to go probably do something a year off and do something like follow formula one around the world and just do all the different paddocks um mind you i'll get some very easily so we'd have to be careful We'd have to be a lot of the night races we'll have to aim for um yeah, just those sort of things. I suppose fun things, things to enjoy with family. You know, family means a lot to me. So it would be um, those sort of things to enjoy with the group rather than buying, you know, luxury mm-hmm. sort of watches or anything for myself.
1: No, oh, brilliant. Um, excluding passing your apprenticeship, what's next, Mike?
0: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it is past the apprenticeship, uh, but then it is, I suppose, you know, once I've the apprenticeship, I've not finished learning floor. No. and the thing that kind of stood me or did me well my previous job and i hope you know keep me well in flooring is that you know i've got two sort of big qualities and that's that i always want to work hard and i always want to learn so you know i'm keen to keep learning one of the great things from the cfa awards is i've got a training course for outro and a another training course for Forbo for lino okay so two training courses there i want to go on and do i want to you know keep learning more about the industry Keep more learning more about projects, um, and I think really it's going from that sort of you know bottom of the ladder and trying to work my way on those projects. So I'd like to get more involved. You know, we've got things like supervisors or people who sort of look after projects. You know, see what happens there and and learn that side of, the, of flooring. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm only eighteen months into this industry, right. and you know, from what I've found, people are so sort of uh, willing to share their knowledge and experience. You know, online on Instagram or and training sensors on, on YouTube videos, there's so much out there and there's so many people who are passionate about this industry and who are willing to share and sort of teach so that, you know, I just want to get more involved with that and the big thing for me in the next year as well is to try and get more people into the industry, mm-hmm. so as the apprentice of the year, one of the things I want to do is work alongside the Future Fitters programme, so mm-hmm. how can we get more people, you know, both school leavers and career changes into flooring, how can we, you know, do more to promote it because, um you know one of the, the big things is getting more people into training centers having more training centers available we talk about labor shortage in the flooring industry um and a lot of people are a relation right they're a, a son and nephew a daughter yeah. and niece, well of someone who's already in the, uh, the industry so you know trying to use things like instagram and linkedin yeah. try and get that message out more about what life as a floor layer is like you know why you should think about doing it um all the sort of things that can people wear. Because I think really, you know, you look at videos that are really popular on Instagram and TikTok and a lot of them are mm-hmm. things like flooring, right? Because flooring yeah. is such a massive canvas. You're working with such a big space. Before and afters. and That's
1: what people want to see in the day of the light. They, don't want to, it, they seem to have gone off the, have you seen the job I've done? And all this, like, the razzmatazz of how amazing it looks. They, they now want to see the and They want to see the, the laying yeah, it down. thats a, popular.
0: I mean, yeah. this is like, so...
1: Prime in the phone.
0: easy on uh, TikTok. Yeah, Teanen. He's yeah. got like um, get millions of likes. You yeah. know, and it's yeah. I, you know, I appreciate people have got different views on, you know, that content he's doing for sort of the DIY market. But you know, there's people there just yeah. watching and watching and watching and watching because it's those sort of things that like, say, those screening videos. They're really popular. Scribing wood or LBT in. Yeah. thats the, like you know cheats uh, hacks and hacks. Yeah, there's like there's yeah. thousands of videos of people, especially in America as well. Just cutting around architraves, yeah. and yet they all seem to do really well. Yeah. screening videos do well, so yeah. I mean, it, it's you know people are interested in the flooring industry. Yeah. I'm hoping to try and get that message out about you know if you're interested in it, here's how you can come and be part and join us.
1: Yeah, well that that would be a good thing. So where are you lurking on social media,
0: Mike? Where can people find you if they're interested to follow you? Yeah, so on uh, Instagram it's at Flooring Mike. Um, it's on TikTok as well. I mean, I'm not really using TikTok much at all than just to I suppose, edit videos for instagram a little bit better um, and then on linkedin as well so linkedin is mike waldrum um you'll find me there i think it should be the only floor layer on it and i think that's kind of an interesting opportunity as well because obviously linkedin isn't really used primarily used by people who are working in offices right and it's yeah. those sort of jobs so to get that message out there to a network that i've already built i mean some of the posts we've sort of shared about flooring and becoming a floor layer of you know got huge traction and I think it's a really good story to share because you know the next couple of years the world of work is going to change massively as well you keep seeing the news don't we stories about like AI and automation and this kind of thing and that will change people who work in offices lives as well and, yes, you know we've got a fantastic industry that is looking for people that has training opportunities available that has companies willing to take people on and you know I'm just hoping to try and do that part in the next year to get that news out there and get you know more people interested
1: brilliant. Well, thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. It's been a great podcast. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tom. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockrellandco.co.uk. That's cockrellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco.com, And also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And we look forward to seeing you here again soon.